0: Picture this. You were the on-call cardiology fellow on a snowy winter's night. You were called emergently to see Mrs. Amari on the maternity ward, immediately following her emergent cesarean section. She is a 28-year-old woman who recently emigrated to the U.S. from Syria and unfortunately did not have medical insurance, so she's received no prenatal care. She arrived to the hospital at 36 weeks pregnant in acute respiratory distress with hypoxia she underwent an emergent cesarean section and was placed on supplemental oxygen and given a diuretic. When you arrive, she has improved but is still struggling to speak in full sentences. On your exam, she has crackles in the lung bases and you hear a low-pitched diastolic rumble at the apex of the heart. Mrs. Amari anxiously and repeatedly asks if her baby is all right and then asks, what is wrong with me? As you listen and learn about mitral stenosis, consider how Mrs. Amari developed this disease and what is causing her life-threatening decompensation. Welcome to Audiobricks, I'm Laurel Toft, bringing cardiology from our bricks to your ears. After completing this section, you will be able to 1. Define mitral stenosis 2. Identify the common causes of mitral stenosis and explain their pathophysiology. 3. Describe the clinical presentation and diagnosis of mitral stenosis. And 4. Outline the treatment of mitral stenosis. Part 1. What is mitral stenosis? Well, mitral stenosis, MS, is narrowing of the mitral valve. In the normal cardiac cycle, the heart relaxes during diastole and allows blood to flow from the left atrium to the left ventricle through the open mitral valve. When the mitral valve is narrowed, blood flow takes longer and the left atrium cannot empty completely into the left ventricle. Excess volume and pressure build up in the left atrium, while forward flow to the left ventricle decreases. For a quick refresh, let's review the four components of the mitral valve. Okay, so the valve leaflets control the passage of blood from the left atrium to the left ventricle and are made up of the anterior and posterior leaflets. The annulus is a ring-like structure that holds the leaflets in place. The papillary muscles are attached to the left ventricular wall muscle and they contract to pull back the cordy tendineae into a taut position. This holds the mitral valve closed during the high pressure of ventricular systole and prevents the leaflets from prolapsing backwards into the left atrium. Got it? Okay, let's move on. Part 2. What causes mitral stenosis? The most common cause of mitral stenosis is rheumatic heart disease. Other less common etiologies include congenital MS, mitral annular calcification, And radiation-associated MS. Let's take a moment to understand how each of these leads to narrowing of the mitral valve. What about rheumatic heart disease? How does this lead to mitral stenosis? Well, rheumatic fever is an inflammatory condition that can develop after inadequate treatment of strep throat or scarlet fever caused by the bacteria group A streptococcus or GAS. Infection triggers an immune response to the antigens on GAS. However, these antigens are very similar to the structure of valvular tissue, and the body gets tricked into attacking the valve instead. This is a classic example of a phenomenon called molecular mimicry, the pathogenic basis of many autoimmune diseases. The mitral valve is the most common valve to get attacked by rheumatic heart disease. And because of more limited access to antibiotics, and therefore less treatment of strep infections, Rheumatic heart disease is more common in developing countries. Initially, rheumatic fever may present with mitral regurgitation. However, over a period of years to decades, chronic inflammation of the mitral valves eventually leads to mitral stenosis. The leaflets gradually thicken, calcify, and fibrin deposits form on the cusps of the leaflets. This leads to obstruction of blood flow through the valve. Sometimes the thickening may be so severe that the leaflets fuse together. This typically occurs at the commissures, which are the points where the anterior and posterior leaflets come together on each side. As a result, a characteristic pattern of doming occurs with a narrowed, oval-shaped opening that looks much like a fish mouth. A mnemonic to help remember this is that the appearance of mitral stenosis comes from its O. Mitral stenosis looks like the oval-shaped fish mouth. Other causes of mitral stenosis are much less common. Congenital MS is a rare hereditary condition in which abnormalities of the mitral valve cause narrowing of the opening. These abnormalities can include thickened leaflets, fusion of the commissures, and shortening or thickening of the cordy tendinae. Mitral annular calcification occurs when calcium deposits along the annulus. It can cause mitral stenosis by limiting the ability of the annulus to expand during diastole and by restricting the movement of the valve leaflets. Radiation-induced mitral stenosis can be seen in survivors of Hodgkin's lymphoma or other chest malignancies who received extensive radiation therapy in the past. Time for a knowledge check. What is the most common cause of mitral stenosis? The answer is rheumatic heart disease. Part 3. Clinical Features of Mitral Stenosis Patients with mitral stenosis most commonly present with exertional dyspnea, shortness of breath, and decreased exercise tolerance. As the volume in the left atrium builds up from the MS, excess pressure is transmitted back to the lungs, causing pulmonary hypertension. This decreases the compliance of the blood vessels in the lungs and makes it difficult to fill the lungs with air. Because the disease progresses slowly, patients may not always be aware of their symptoms, and it's important to take a good history. It's also quite common for MS to be diagnosed during pregnancy when the hemodynamic changes bring out the symptoms. So let's think about what happens during pregnancy. Well first, blood volume increases. This is unhelpful in mitral stenosis because a larger volume of blood is trying to get through the narrowed mitral valve and can lead to pulmonary edema, fluid buildup in the lungs. Also in pregnancy, the heart rate increases. This is not good for patients with mitral stenosis because blood is flowing across the stenotic mitral valve during diastole, When the heart rate increases, the relative amount of time spent in diastole decreases, thereby decreasing the time available for the increased blood volume to get through the narrow opening. Otherwise, asymptomatic young women will often present with shortness of breath during pregnancy and be diagnosed with MS. Severe mitral stenosis can be dangerous and even life-threatening during pregnancy. Time for a knowledge check-in. Question. What is the most common symptom of mitral stenosis? The answer is exertional dyspnea, or in other words, decreased exercise tolerance. Less commonly, patients with mitral stenosis may experience hemoptysis or coughing up blood. Increased pulmonary pressure can cause extravasation of blood into the airways, resulting in blood-tinged sputum with cough. Mitral stenosis may also cause atrial fibrillation due to enlargement of the left atrium. As the left atrium expands to accommodate the extra volume, the normal architecture of the heart wall can be changed in a way that disrupts the electrical activity of the heart. Part 4. How do we diagnose mitral stenosis? In patients with MS, cardiac auscultation may reveal a murmur that occurs during diastole when the heart is relaxed. During this time, blood from the left atrium fills the left ventricle. However, narrowing of the valve in mitral stenosis leads to impaired filling. An opening snap is also characteristic of mitral stenosis, which is created by an abrupt halt in leaflet motion due to fusion of the leaflet tips. It is heard immediately after S2, the second heart sound, early in diastole. The opening snap is followed by a low-pitched diastolic rumble that is due to turbulent flow through the narrowed valve. Even though the opening snap and diastolic murmur are classic for mitral stenosis, good luck actually hearing this in a noisy ER or the flurry of a decompensating patient situation. These sounds are subtle and barely audible even for experienced listeners. You most likely will require a quiet room and even repositioning the patient leaning forward on their left side in order to bring the heart sounds closer to the chest wall but don't let that discourage you from trying to imagine that you hear this murmur. The opening snap heard in mitral stenosis shortly after S2 should not be confused with S2 splitting. S2 splitting is a normal physiologic heart sound heard in many patients when listening to the base of the heart during inspiration. As you may imagine, a normal physiologic S2 splitting event would not be followed by the characteristic low-pitched diastolic rumbling heard when evaluating a patient with mitral stenosis. Furthermore, the opening snap heard in mitral stenosis is best auscultated at the apex of the heart. Patients with a murmur suspicious for mitral stenosis and with risk factors for rheumatic heart disease, for example, our patient from Syria, should be further evaluated for mitral stenosis. A transthoracic echocardiogram, or TTE, is indicated to establish a diagnosis and to determine severity. TTE uses an ultrasound probe to create an image of the structure of the heart and valves and to evaluate blood flow. Let's stop here for a knowledge check-in. Question. What heart sound is characteristic of mitral stenosis? Answer is an opening snap followed by a low-pitched diastolic rumble. Part 5. How do we treat mitral stenosis? First-line medical management of MS is to control the heart rate, typically with beta blockers. Since mitral stenosis is an obstruction during diastole that inhibits the passive filling of blood from the left atrium to the left ventricle, slowing the heart rate will allow more time for blood to flow through. Therefore, beta blockers work to reduce symptoms. However, it is important to note that beta blockers do not really treat the underlying condition. Also, patients with volume overload or pulmonary edema should be treated with diuretics. Mechanical intervention is the definitive treatment for mitral stenosis. Two main procedures are used to treat it. Percutaneous mitral balloon valvotomy, or PMBV, or commissurotomy. Surgical valve replacement is also a treatment option, but is typically performed as a last resort. PMBV is the newer preferred treatment method for mitral stenosis. During this procedure, a long thin tube known as a catheter is placed in a blood vessel in the groin. The catheter has a deflated balloon at its tip, and it is advanced until it reaches the heart, then crosses from the right atrium into the left atrium through the interatrial septum. When this catheter reaches the synotic mitral valve, the balloon is rapidly inflated and deflated to mechanically open the valve and separate any fused leaflets. Calcium deposits on the leaflets may also be broken apart, allowing for improved mobility. Mitral stenosis can also be repaired surgically with a procedure known as commissurotomy. During this procedure, the surgeon removes calcium and fibrin deposits from the leaflets and separates any fused leaflets. It is much more invasive than balloon valvotomy and is used when patients are not good candidates for the balloon procedure. Some patients are not candidates for either of these techniques due to characteristics of their particular valve anatomy, and others progress despite these repair treatments. In those cases, surgical mitral valve replacement with a prosthetic valve is indicated. Time for a knowledge check. What are the two procedures used to treat mitral stenosis? Answer is percutaneous mitral balloon valvotomy, or PMBV, and commissurotomy. It's important to keep in mind that the timing of intervention is crucial in patients with mitral stenosis. Intervening too early may result in an unnecessary and risky procedure in a patient who otherwise would have remained asymptomatic for many years. On the other hand, intervening too late may result in irreversible damage to the heart muscle. Therefore, it is critical to serially monitor patients with mitral stenosis for progression of disease through patient history and periodic imaging. And that's it for mitral stenosis. Let's check your knowledge and see what you've learned today. First, what is mitral stenosis? Mitral stenosis is narrowing of the mitral valve causing obstruction of blood flow from the left atrium to the left ventricle. Next, can you name four causes of mitral stenosis and identify which one is the most common? Mitral stenosis is most commonly caused by rheumatic heart disease. Less often, it can be caused by congenital mitral stenosis, annular calcification, or radiation damage. How does mitral stenosis present clinically? The most common symptom of mitral stenosis is exertional dyspnea or decreased exercise tolerance due to pulmonary hypertension and decreased cardiac output. And lastly, how can we diagnose mitral stenosis on physical exam? Mitral stenosis can be heard on cardiac auscultation as a diastolic murmur with a classic opening snap followed by a low-pitched diastolic rumble. And we're done with this episode on mitral stenosis. Armed with your newfound knowledge, let's check back in on your patient from the intro. Mrs. Amari is a 28-year-old woman at 36 weeks pregnant who recently immigrated from Syria. She was experiencing respiratory distress and required an emergent C-section. Her physical exam revealed pulmonary edema and a low-pitched, rumbling diastolic murmur, raising suspicion for the diagnosis of mitral stenosis. How did she develop this disease, and why did she decompensate during pregnancy? You first reassure Mrs. Amari that her newborn son is doing very well and that she will see him soon. You tell her that she likely has mitral stenosis, a narrowing of one of her heart valves. This narrowing reduces blood flow across the valve and can cause fluid backup in the lungs. You explain that mitral stenosis is most often caused by rheumatic fever, an illness she likely had as a child in Syria. You then discuss with the obstetrician and anesthesiologist that she developed pulmonary edema because not only is diastolic filling of the left ventricle decreased due to the stenotic valve, but the increased heart rate of pregnancy further impaired diastolic filling time, plus the extra blood volume contributed to developing pulmonary edema. You explain to your patient and her team that a confirmatory echocardiogram will be done that day, and then you can discuss a procedure to open the valve percutaneous mitral valve balloon valvotomy. As you are about to leave the room, Mrs. Amari's healthy newborn son is placed in her arms, causing tears of joy all around. And that's all for our show. If you like this episode, send us a comment or give us a thumbs up. Until next time.